There's a line in Billinger's play, The Dark at the Top of the Stairs, in which the bewildered hero says, <clears throat> damned if I don't sometimes think it's easier to pioneer a country than to settle down in it. Now, most of us here, I believe, know something of what he means. Your citation of me is kind enough to say that I early recognize the need for personal involvement of top management in broadcasting's product of programming, but I don't think that's any personal credit to me. In the now long-ago days when I was a broadcast pioneer, there wasn't anything else to do. Our top management was also our bottom management. And there were few distinctions to be made between policy and operations. It was one ball of string and a pretty tangled ball at that. In 1927, I was a vice president in my family's business in Philadelphia. The company made cigars. During the summer of that year, my father and uncle went to Europe and I was left to run the business. Among my responsibilities was those of supervising production and having a hand in our advertising. One day a salesman for Philadelphia's only radio station, WCAU, came in to see me. He thought our company should sponsor a radio program once a week. I rather liked the idea, but when he proposed an hour-long musical with a 20-piece orchestra, a male vocalist, a female vocalist, a small chorus, and an outstanding guest, I knew this was going to run into real money. Well, it did run into real money. For the time and the talent, the price would be $50 a week. <laughs> but I was young and I was rash, and so I signed up. <laughs> we were really getting into a long run with the show, four or five weeks, when my father and uncle came home from Europe. <laughs> Their first knowledge of the La Polina Hour came when my uncle, who was in charge of finances, came across a $50 item for the first broadcast and called me onto the carpet. He objected not only to the $50, he was fearful that radio advertising might damage the prestige of our high-caliber cigar. I was forced to cancel the contract. But it so happened that some friends of my family had made an investment in a company called the United Independent Broadcasters. It was an investment they were not happy about. They wanted to get out. But the major thing that prevented them was the non-existence of a willing or able buyer. Finally, it was suggested to my father that the Congress Cigar Company ought to buy the company, on the grounds that they, at least, had something that could be advertised. But it was through this suggestion that the idea first occurred to me of taking an interest in broadcasting myself. When I asked for a 10-day option to buy some stock in my own right, the astounded owners were only too happy to accommodate me. After much soul-searching, I decided to take the plunge. My arrangement with my family was that I would do all the necessary work to uh, reorganize the United Independent Broadcasters and its attached Columbia Broadcasting System Network. We all thought it over carefully and decided the appropriate length for my leave of absence. I was to be gone three months. <laughs> By the end of three months, it had become apparent this was not quite a long enough time in which to accomplish the task. Not only that, I had discovered that the company interested me not only as an investment, but as a career. When I finally became convinced of this, I burned my bridges behind me, resigned from the Congress Cigar Company, and took up as a full-time job the strange and mysterious work called broadcasting. 